You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Hi, Daniel. Hello, Michael. What's going on with you today? Today, I had a very interesting day because we're talking a lot about the Enlightenment, which is one of my favorite topics. And I saw a lot of plays in which students pretended they were members of the Enlightenment. It was fun. Oh, that sounds great. It got me thinking about how we met on social studies chat because part of it was talking about the Enlightenment. It's interesting because our experience on social studies chat has really kind of developed into a, not like a, a way of life, but you know, we've grown very connected to it. Yeah, I remember, so I think we met, it was what, 2011 or 12, when I started participating in SS Chat. I think you already were. Yeah, yeah. And for me, for me, it was a game changer. I just, to know that there was other social studies teachers out there who cared about the same things I did, that I could just, you know, jump on and tweet with on Monday nights or just asynchronously anytime during the week was really cool. But it's, it's, it is a way of life. It's, you know, and we've, obviously taking it out beyond Twitter to podcasting and to, and you know, we've got the, the yeah, we've got the SS chat Facebook page. So the conversations are kind of ongoing. They've been really cool. It's neat to create a space for social studies educators just to like talk practice because sometimes, you know, like when you're sitting alone in your classroom and no one's there, you can always reach out on the interwebs uh, and Twitter has been really great for that. I, I definitely felt that connected this when I got started, but you know, the granddaddy of, of educational hashtags and the one that really um, a, a lot of educators use. I know is what you're going to say. Ed chat. Ed chat. Ed chat. Not yeah. about a guy named Ed or the television show no. Ed from the, uh, was that the 2000s or late 90s? Yeah. I, I always hope no one thinks this podcast is about like, you know, podcasts obsessed with anyone named Ed specifically <laughs> and having visions of him. So, so beyond that, we're easily distracted, if, you, if anyone cannot tell. Uh, we have an incredible guest today who is really responsible for a lot of uh, what happens in EdChat. So we would like to welcome Tom Whitby. Hi, guys. How are you? How are you? I'm Good. doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing excellent. So could you start off by just telling us a little bit about your background in education? Uh, well, I started out as a, a secondary English teacher. And I did that for about 34 years and retired from public education and went on to teach in um, a local college here, St. Joseph's College, teaching education for six years. So I've been in the classroom for about 40 years. Wow, that's a wealth of experience. What, what are some of the things you took away from your time in the classroom? Oh, God, I, I took away 40 years of experience in teaching. It's a way of life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It's a uh, it's a way of of thinking it, it, it creates your mindset as an educator and it's something that i decided to continue doing even after i retired as a matter of fact once i retired i developed a whole new persona uh in the area of social media so Ooh, a new persona yeah well very much so very much so do you feel uh, like you it, you have like a social social media mask like um like the social media is kind of like your cape and cowl yes I, yeah, I think so. I, you know, when you when you walk into a a, a a national conference and people know you through social media, 
that that becomes a big deal. You know, if it was one or two people, it would be nice. But when it's like 50 or 100 people come up and ask for selfies with you just because I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt and I'm at Tom Whitby, it, it, it really starts to go to your head a little bit as to how much uh, social media is affecting educators across the country. It, it is fascinating because there are these social media educational stars that are out there that it just like are kind of common knowledge and people know. And you're certainly one of those. I just looked up to see and you have s over 72,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. That's, um, uh, so you have quite the audience that a, a former classroom teacher and, and someone involved in education used to not have beyond kind of just their geographic, you know, communities. Yeah, it, it, as a matter of fact, it goes beyond that. I also have a Ning site called The Educators PLN that's got about uh, eighteen or 19,000 people on that. Uh, and I also have my own podcast with BAM Radio, and that's had about a million downloads since it started. We've not had uh, a million downloads. Um, I think my mom has downloaded all of our episodes, so we have like 26 <laughs> Michael's mom has well, downloaded our episodes one million times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're kind of close. A, a lot of this started through EdChat, you know, once, once we started EdChat. And, and that goes back, I, I guess, almost nine years now uh, when, when we first did it. What is this EdChat? Yeah. Could you tell us what is EdChat and how did, how did it get going? Well, um, when I was first started out on Twitter, and, and this is going back nine or ten years, uh, Twitter was, was new. There weren't a lot of people on it. Some of the, the, the great people we have that are connected educators now certainly were on it. Um, but when we started out, Tuesdays were known as Teacher Tuesdays. I, I don't know where that came about, but, but hashtags were relatively new. If not new, people were just getting used to what they were and how to use them. Just being on EdChat, I would use questions to provoke conversations. Uh, I would come up with provocative questions just to you know, jab at people to get them to, to, to involve themselves with the conversation. And if you were on Twitter at the time and, and, and on your own timeline and following me, uh, you were able to get involved in that, in that discussion, which they were great discussions that we had. But they didn't last that long. And, and unless you were involved in following me, you didn't get to see them. So um, two people that I worked very closely with in, in, in social media in that uh, – we, we conversed all the time, was uh, Shelley Terrell and Steven Anderson. Uh, he's uh, web, uh, web Classroom 2.0. And um, the three of us started talking one day and said, wouldn't it be nice if we could do one of these, these chats that we're doing and get more people involved? So uh, we decided to come up with uh, a chat. Shelley Terrell uh, came up with the idea of uh, the name EdChat. And um, we went with that. We used that hashtag, and um, I came up with a time because I wanted to um, talk for about an hour, but I didn't want to disturb my TV time, so I figured <laughs> 7 o'clock would be good, and I could watch TV from 8 o'clock. You do not miss prime time, yeah. Yeah. Um, that turned out to be a, a problem in that we did this for about three weeks, and then we had requests from educators all over the, the, the world. People uh, in different parts of the world either had to get up very early to follow EdChat or they had to stay up very late. So they asked us to change the time. 
uh, what we did was rather than change the time, we just added another Ed Chat. So that's where the noon Ed Chat came in. And that was a little bit more of a, a, a global audience in the, in the noon Ed Chat. So we had the noon Ed Chat and then the 7 p.m. Eastern. Both of these were, were on Eastern time. Uh, and then Steven Anderson came up with the idea of coming up with different topics that people could actually choose from. So every for about the last eight or nine years, every Tuesday, we've been having an Ed Chat. And it's based on uh, a poll that comes out on Sunday. So people get to look at the poll from Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday morning to select the topic from five choices that they want to talk about. Uh, the the most uh, the, the, the topic that comes out on top is the seven o'clock topic. And the second most popular is the noon topic. And, uh, you know, we were, cert we certainly were not the first chat on Twitter. I, I don't believe that we were, uh, but I do believe that we were the first chat that was consistent and, and built a following and, and, and built an audience to the point where, um, a lot of people credit us for being the first chat or first successful chat on, on on Twitter. We're really part of Twitter history, which is like a big deal to us. All right. I think I saw something in like, the, was it the New York Times that they talked about Edchat? Yeah, just about um, every major publication covered it when we were first out there uh, because it was so new. We we got invited to speak at uh, uh, Jeff Pulver. I don't know if you know who Jeff Pulver is. He used to run what was called a 140 conference. He um, He's the inventor of VoIP which is enables us to speak uh, telephonically over the internet. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, that was his invention. And what he did was he developed um, uh, a conference called the 140 conference. So people could get up and talk for 20 minutes about what they do with Twitter. Uh, we were invited as educators to, to come out to California to talk about EdChat. Shelly was in Germany at the time. And she flew in, and Stephen Anderson was in North Carolina, and we invited Eric Scheninger to come along with us. He was teaching in New Jersey at the time. So the four of us went to, at the time, it was the, the Kodak Theater. Um, that's where they give out the Academy Awards. Wow. And, and, that's, and that's where the uh, 140 conference was being held. So we got up, and we talked about Ed Chat for 20 minutes, but we didn't know what to wear, and we talked about it the night before. You know, what do you wear at something like this? So we all decided to go very casual. Uh, I selected a Hawaiian shirt that I was going to wear. Is that how you became the Hawaiian that, shirt guy? That's exactly that how I became is your the Hawaiian shirt guy. <laughs> yeah. What happened was they they brought us uh, backstage and interviewed each of us separately about you know our uh, social media involvement. And um, once that that uh, video of of me in the Hawaiian shirt got out there on social media, people just commented about the Hawaiian shirt more than than anything else. So uh, I started wearing the Hawaiian story. shirt to any education conference that I went to. If I would have known that Tommy Bahama shirts were that expensive, I would have worn a tie-dye T-shirt. So, <laughs> so what, uh, what, do you, what do you think draws people to EdChat? I mean, in those early days and even continuing, why do you think people connect? And, and what kind of quality experiences do you think they take into their classrooms from what, what they're able to do there? Are either of you familiar with the term andragogy? Yeah, adult learning. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the thing is that, that when we're, we're used teaching in professional development, we go to what we know, which is pedagogy. So we tend to teach adults as if they're children. And for the most part, that doesn't work. What we have found out is that uh, adults have a goal in mind. Um, they like to, to uh, direct their own learning. 
and and the thing that works best for adults is collaboration. And and the best tool for collaboration happens to be conversation. Mm-hmm. So so putting all of that together, we're we're finding that that many adults uh, prefer conversation over other forms of um, education, like uh, PowerPoint presentations for lecture or or direct instruction. It just doesn't work the same. And and adults also like to be respected for what it is they bring to the table, their own life experience, and. The chats that we do pretty much use all of those components for adult learning. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why adults are drawn to it. This is the same reason why uh, so many ed camps are popular, because, uh, again, it, it's collaboration. It's not lecture. It's not direct instruction. And it respects adults for what it is they come to the table with, if that makes sense. It does. I know that it's a very fast-paced chat. I've I've been involved in it. That's how I actually got involved in Twitter chats. How do people manage it? Well, it is very quick. There are two ways to do a chat these days. Uh, we do an open chat. Uh, there there are there are some chats that have a, a series of questions lined up. So over a one-hour period, they'll ask as many as ten different questions. Uh, to me, that's that's not a chat. I don't I don't like that format because it really underestimates the audience. You're not really being respectful of your audience to, to conduct itself. It, it's kind of like you have to have control over that, which drives me nuts. For the record, the SS chat does the six-question chat. Okay, I, and, and it's fine for, for some people to do that. Um, I, I don't like that because we can't take off in, in, in another direction if, in fact, that's where the chat takes you. Yeah. Um, so so we, have, we have an open chat. And um, the only way to really manage it is if you're in uh, an application called uh, either Hootsuite or what I use is TweetDeck, which uh, you can just create a column to follow specifically uh, one, one, one area, which would be the hashtag EdChat. And then short of that, my strategy is always to engage rather than, than it's kind of like walking into a stadium and trying to have a conversation with everybody in the stadium. You can't do difficult. it. But but you you can you can pick four or five people who have an interest in what you're saying or you have an interest in what someone else is saying and involve yourself very heavily with four or five people and, and really get more out of the out of the chat that way. What benefits do you think people take away? And you can just answer for what you take away from EdChat um, beyond just kind of the, the camaraderie of it and the, the sharing of ideas. I mean, do you think that it, it's just kind of a, a slow long-term learning that you pick up idea here or there or do you see some other potential benefits from engaging in ed chat uh i think the big word is transparency um what we're able to see you know especially uh, with the global implications that it has we're being exposed to what other educators are doing all the time and, and, and oftentimes policies evolve in schools without any thought people do things because they're told to do things and, and they're not really given a reason why they're doing it other than this is the policy of the school. You can't do this because this is this is the way we do it. And um, we're finding that that other schools don't have the same policies and teachers are allowed to do a great deal more. The, 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 the prime example of this was um, when schools were, were banning kids from using the Internet. Um, they, they were being told people were being told because of FERPA, COPA and SIPA. These are the three laws involving social media uh, that that schools were not allowed to have kids interact through social media. 
and, and what we found out, the more this was opened up and people were talking about it, was that there were schools that were allowing this to happen. And the more we looked at it and the more we discussed it, we found out that administrators were using that as an excuse because many of them didn't really understand the law. All you need to do is to have a, a teacher monitor what the students are doing within the classroom and you're completely covered. Uh, but they, they took it a step further saying that, that it had to be banned. And, and as a matter of fact, they had to get the chairman of the FCC to clearly state that, that these laws were not requiring schools to ban this from students. And much of this came because people were sharing ideas about what they were doing and how they were using social media with their students. And, and the more that happened, the more transparency there was about this particular practice, the more it opened up. And there, there were things like that happening all the time. That's really fascinating um, because I, I talked about a lot. I actually wrote an article with Jeff Carpenter, who's at Elon University, called uh, Why Social Media Must Have a Place in Schools. And kind of part of our argument was just simply that, um, you know, teachers are getting so many benefits, you know, from learning from social media. But we often just tell students what not to do on social media. And so we... If, you're, if we're doing it and we're learning on social media, why not show them how they can do it too? Because positive examples of how to use it, um, I think, are just oftentimes not there in schools. And so that's a really cool uh, discussion and how that was able, you're able to open that up and, and um, uh, address that issue a little bit. Um, what's it like kind of building community, you know, over time? Yeah, and okay. Do you have kind of a core group? Yeah, they, they, there was for a while, but it's really spread out so that um, – the, the only people I can count on being there would be the, the moderators that we usually have. Uh, there, are, there are four or five people that, that moderate over time. And it's not always the same people that are there, but um, uh, Maureen Devlin, uh, William Chamberlain, Mark Weston, and um, Nancy Blair are all moderators who, who rotate in and out throughout the, uh, throughout the Ed Chats. So they're, they're the only people who are constantly there. It's interesting, the little... Twitter educational community because you can mention someone who participates in ed chat and I having participated almost primarily in SS chat, you know, in a few chats here and there, I actually know William Chamberlain and it's um, from a few tweets. And then I met him at the first ed camp, Kansas, which we helped host. And he brought a ukulele and did a ed camp session on <laughs> ukuleles and his daughter uh, helped with a session too, if I remember right. Um, and he's just a really cool guy. So it's interesting this, this little Twitter world that exists with these really fun, innovative educators who can help you just kind of rethink your practice. It, you know, it, what, what's nice about the, the social media thing, people say, oh, social media, you don't really have relationships. So that's a bunch of BS because you find that, that you've got relationships with people um, through social media. And then when you go to an actual conference where you get to meet these people face-to-face, -face, it's like uh, they've been old friends for your entire life. You don't really skip a beat with that, which is amazing when you, you actually connect with somebody face-to-face -face that you've been connected with virtually for so, you know, for so long. I always wonder if there's going to be a bunch of eggs at conferences because, you know, a lot of people when they first start Twitter are simply eggs and unhatched. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how you can, that's how you can pick out all the newbies. They, they haven't put their, their profiles there yet. But those are people who don't realize how important it is as educators uh, if we're using this for collaboration to actually put a profile picture up that is a professional picture and, and have your profile stated so that if somebody looks at your profile, they understand that you are, in fact, an educator, somebody that they should be following. One of the things that I like about EdChat is that 
it brings people of different regions and also different class levels and um, or different you know years that they're they're teaching and different disciplines together in one place because I feel like sometimes we're really isolated within our school community um, and then for us within our SS chat within our social studies community that we're not really realizing that there's so much more uh, collaboration that yeah. could happen. Well, the the other point that that has to come out here is that. Um, you're, you're accepted in these chats for your ideas and not necessarily your title. Ah, meritocracy. Uh, because, is that meritocracy? Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, th there are so many superintendents that, that are involved in these chats that, that kind of sit back and take things in. But, you know, if, if you're sitting at a, at a face-to-face -face meeting and somebody's introduced as a superintendent, that takes on, um, a completely different air about it in that whatever that person says as a superintendent people listen to. Um, and, and, and for whatever reason, their ideas are given more, um, more weight. That's in a face to face thing. When it comes to, to a chat, when there is no face and there is no title, people examine the ideas and the tweets that people come out with specifically on its own merits. So, so that in itself is, has, has advanced things, enabling educators you know, regular educators to, to have more of a say in, in, in what's going on, because that's where the real experience in, in, in education is. Very Rousseauian. That's an enlightenment <laughs> um, callback. Sorry. Michael's teaching about the enlightenment right now. It happens to, uh, he just, if it, every once in a while, just yells something about enlightenment philosopher. Voltaire. It's okay. <laughs> well, so, Tom, can you tell us, like, for people that have never done EdChat or for people that are just looking to continually to get the most out of their experiences um, through EdChat, what, what's some advice you would, you would give to people getting involved or just trying to improve what they're doing? Well, first thing is um, make sure you're working with an application that enables you to, to um, uh, follow EdChat Ed or any of the chats, uh, you know, by itself, creating a column so they can, that you can follow that chat. Uh, the other thing is to be open to people within the chat who stimulate your thinking. And those are the people who you want to actually follow on Twitter, aside from just the chat. That's where you find people uh, to follow. Another thing would be to, um, you know, engage people in the things that you really want to talk about on that particular subject, because you've got the ability to to guide your own learning at this point, which is, I, again, that's in, in the, the adult learning format that um, adults like to, they usually come with a goal in mind, something that they want to learn. And, and, and by guiding your, your own learning, it's, it's going to enable you to, to get out of a chat uh, what it is you need to get out of it. And one thing I've just been thinking about a little lately is I've been trying to challenge myself and I often challenge my students to follow people who have different perspectives than them or yeah. different cultural backgrounds because I think so often um, it can't it could become an echo chamber, but I don't think it has to be. I think we have to be a little intentional about getting out of our comfort zones and and hearing from different perspectives or people we wouldn't come across. And that's the the power of EdChat, right? It, it it dissolves some of those geographic boundaries and and we can talk with people from different cultures. So why only talk with people who live in our neighborhood or we see at a barbecue? I don't know. These are too specific of examples. <laughs> well, another thing that, that chats do is they actually stimulate uh, the blogosphere. Because in addition to chats, uh, the other thing connected educators should be doing is reading blogs. Uh, and many of these blogs are influenced by the chats 
that the bloggers are involved with. So that's that's the place where they get to 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 take small ideas from the chats and expand them in, into a larger reflection in their in their own blogs. That's one of the things that I do on my blog all the time. You talked about doing a like putting out five um, suggestions that yeah. How do you get those suggestions? That's what I always wonder because I vote sometimes, but I don't. <laughs> I always wonder like, oh, where do these things come from? Because I imagine from somewhere, right? <laughs> Tom is pointing to his gigantic brain where all the head chat ideas come from. <laughs> no, I can't, I I come up with the topics. Um, we we actually had a um, a place where people could suggest topics, but too often the topics were were not. Um, it, it, they, they were too personally gauged. If people um, would suggest it, it had to do with their school or something like that. So so that really never worked that well for us. So uh, pretty much I'm the one, or, or people will send suggestions to me, and then uh, I, I will change change the wording around so it's more more of a general question. But for the most part, I, I come up with five questions every week. And, and what we do is after about five weeks, we go back to – because we only go with two topics of the five. Yeah. So then we've got three leftovers. So every five weeks we'll go back and, and, and hit some of the leftovers. Uh, and, and we try not to repeat topics too, which is, you know, after all these years, it's like impossible. Yeah. Is it the, or the, the, the questions that you come up with, is it they're influenced by like the blogs that you're reading or, or the news that that's, that's happening or is it the time of the year? Like, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with what's going on in Twitter at the time and, and the subjects that, that, um, that are being mentioned in Twitter and things that people are concerned with. Um, you know, it, it, you can actually, if you ever look at the archives, you can actually trace what's happened through so in, in education through social media. Like when we first started out, the big thing was the banning of, of kids on the internet. Yeah. And then later on, and then later on student voice came in and now we're, we're dealing more with, uh, the topic that we just did authentic learning, you know, a, a lot of that, uh, for a while, problem-based learning was very big. So, so, you know, as we go through these things in social media, they're reflected within the chats. So it seems like to do this, to, to really figure out what's going on in education, you need to follow a whole host of, you know, various educators to, to try to get like a, you know, a good broad spectrum of, of topics that are happening, right? Well, I, I used to use, um, the, there was an application called Zite, Z-I-T-E, yeah. which was great. It was great. I wish uh, it was still around. Yeah, well, it was bought out by Flipboard. Ah. So Flipboard is, is is trying to do what Zeit did, but it's not quite as good. So now I use Flipboard. And and I'll start the day out by going through educational blogs and, and seeing that and, and tweeting from Flipboard. I'll, I'll I'll tweet those out. But but it gives you an idea of what the general interest is from the connected community. You've got to remember that the, the discussions that go on in the connected community precede what goes on in faculty rooms by any any as much as a year. I mean, we were talking about flipped classrooms in, in the connected community a year before anybody even knew what the hell they were, because that's where the ideas are coming from. They're, they're coming from the thought leaders in social media, you know, talking about this stuff in their blogs and in tweets. And, and, and that's how they vet their ideas. And then once that happens uh, and, and these things begin to, to, uh, schools, then people start to understand, oh, here's something that we should be talking about. So that's when the faculty rooms and the faculty meetings start to talk about it. All right. So listen, Tom, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I think we, um, we learned a lot. Oh, 
hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us uh, where can our listeners find what's your uh, Twitter handle and then where can they find any of your other work online? Uh, well, my Twitter handle is at Tom Whitby. Um, I've got two books out that they could, they could certainly look up. One is called The Relevant Educator. And uh, also the, the uh, EdChat radio show is on every week. What we do is um, Nancy Blair and I uh, discuss what went on within the chat in a, in a 12-minute format. And that's through the BAM, BAM radio network. So anybody can look up the EdChat radio show. And that's, that's our podcast that comes out every week. Uh, the Educator PLN, which is a Ning site. And you just go to eduPLN.com. Fantastic. Thank you. We will link all of that in our show notes. And just thank you so much for joining us today. We definitely hope to continue the discussion online on EdChat and in other spaces. Keep up the good work, guys. Hey, thank thanks. you. And at Visions of Education, we are all about sharing the learning. So if you're doing something creative in the classroom or in education in general, tweet us. Talk to us on the, the Facebook. We're also there. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Vision of Education podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on Google Play. And if you write us a five-star review, we will read it on the air. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42ThinkDeep. Thanks for joining us. And this is the Vision of Education podcast signing off. <laughs>